Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Therefore, you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. On that day you shall say, Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Isaiah 12, verses 2 to 4. Isaiah is so poetic, and I thought this was a perfect verse to help us through Thanksgiving weekend with all its hectic pace. And what day are we to give thanks to the Lord? I don't know it's so much a particular day as it is bringing our mind's eye back to the time we first acknowledged It is God who saves. It is God we trust. The Lord is our stronghold, our defence, our saviour. I used to tell my children, nay, I still do, friends as well, we have to pledge ourselves to God over and over again to keep us faithful, to keep us sane and to banish our doubt. God's always there, remember? And when our hearts are fully with him, we should have no need to be afraid. God can do nothing for us until we remember his mighty power. In our feasting and thanksgiving mode, let's remember that we owe it all to God. Let's not fret about our lives because God has it handled. We were saved by his son Jesus while we were still sinners, and now our sins will not keep us from salvation. That's the good news in a few words. Take a deep breath if you go out shopping today, and call upon the Lord's name, and you will indeed be rejoicing and drinking from the springs of salvation. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I have the pleasure of your company for about an hour this week to offer homeschooled insights and delights from our household where God crops up in the ordinariness of our lives and keeps us smiling. Each week I manage to entice a truly marvellous person to pop over and join me for part of the show. If I could, I would offer plates of sandwiches and iced fancies or pour cups of tea But I can't, so the tea party has to go on in our heads. My fearless guest joins me anyway to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. Joining me today is children's musical writer and composer Rick Turk from Down Under. Rick's going to be talking about his career and why he thinks music is important for children. I'm drinking a Peruvian coffee and nibbling on one of the chocolate bars I bought from England, and I'm bringing you a special show based around my guest. So find somewhere cosy to sit and take an hour away from the bustle of festivities. I'm ready to start, so what are we waiting for? I've been so busy I can't even nail down what it is that's stopping me from being able to get caught up. Travelling up and down to Dallas takes a couple of days each week, and that could be the answer. I'm just happy I don't have an agent breathing down my neck. I've not written a thing worth publishing for weeks, and I need to take the pressure off myself. I am such a hard taskmaster. On our joint jaunt to Dallas last week, we picked the Southeast Asia travellers up, and they were exhausted after travelling for 31 hours That was my zookeeper's son and his wife. They had some good stories about the third world, which we heard over dinner and breakfast. Ancient temples and stone carvings, a rock that jutted out from the sea, which they jumped off after climbing as high as they could go. 
My rock climber said the climb was frightening. And I said, well, why? If you fall, you'll land in the sea. He said if he'd slipped, he could have tumbled down the rock, scraping his skin and hurting himself because he wouldn't have been able to turn it into a graceful leap down to the deep blue water below. Luckily, that didn't happen. Singapore, which was where their brother and sister-in-law lived with their two children, was a very modern contrast to the other countries they visited. The flat was on the 30th floor, large and fancy. A maid lives with them and does housework, cooks and looks after the children, so the lifestyle is one of those. The city was clean and safe, as I'd heard from school friends as far back as 30-some-odd years ago. My son said it was very prosperous and full of Asians. Ha <laughs> ha. The two of them went to Thailand and stayed in a villa on the beach where there was good rock climbing, the one I just told you about for one. The villa they stayed in had no electricity from 9am to 5pm, but that didn't matter as they were out climbing. But it was a gentle reminder that they were in the third world. I told him my nanny daughter lived in the Mercy ship there. No, not there, but off Liberia in Africa. When they had electricity and water on board the ship, the city where they were docked didn't. They had to share. Do we take our amenities for granted? Well, I'm really thankful for my computer right now and the constant stream of power that keeps it running. Thailand was their favourite place, and they said if they went back, they would spend longer there and skip Borneo and Vietnam altogether. But they didn't know that when they booked their excursions. Um, because I'm bringing you something completely different now, as Monty Python would say, I'm going to introduce my guest. When my children were young, they loved to listen to me reading books on tape when they went to bed. They also enjoyed music by Rafi, Sharon Lois and Brahm, and nursery rhymes sung by children, plus the English stories I had recorded from old 45s my parents had. When my oldest was six, an Australian friend who was worked with me brought me back a children's musical from one of her trips home. Her nieces and nephews were raving about it, so it had to be good. Lizard Gully became the all-time bestseller in our house for many, many years. Well, e even is today, probably. Years later, when choosing a song to dance to with my son at his wedding, back in April, my heart returned to those petal-picking critters in the Aussie outback. During my quest for a more digitally friendly version of the song, I met Rick, Rick Turk, who composed this popular children's musical. Rick agreed to be a guest on my show one day to talk about his career, and that day has come. I'm thrilled to be welcoming Rick and his music to my show today. He makes a living doing what he loves most, writing and performing music. He admits that the key to success in this industry is pure luck. His sensible parents wanted him to have something to fall back on, so he was packed off to university to earn a law degree, which he did. Music prevailed, and between the UK and Australia, Rick has blazed quite a musical trail. He now lives in Buckety on the central coast of New South Wales with his wife, a recording studio named Big Ears Music, bandicoots, wombats and possums. Today I'm bringing you the recorded conversation we had a few weeks ago and as an added bonus some samples of the songs that had my children, well what am I talking about, all of us singing, laughing and dancing through childhoods and at a wedding. So here's the title song to take us to break, and then I'll be talking to Rick Turk. So don't go far. In the middle of the Aussie outback, at the end of a dusty track, there's a place that no one knows about, except for the folks who live around about, and the people 
people who live around there don't seem to have a care. Just living from day to day, but they're happy that way. They call it Lizard Gully. Oh, that's the place. They call it Lizard Gully. It'll put a smile on your face. They don't know a thing about greed, 'cause they've got everything they need. Don't know a thing about crime. Don't even need to know the time. Spend the days as they please. Picking the petals and the colored trees to make the rainbows in the sky. Oh, how I wish that I could live in Lizard Gully. Lizard Gully. I'd like to be living in Lizard Gully. Just lying in the shade of a colored tree. Call it Lizard Gully. Lizard Gully. Oh, that's the place. Living in Lizard Gully. 'Cause there's no time or space. Close your eyes and you can be anywhere you wanna be. So come along and have a look, see. Have a look, see. To the gulliest street, to the gulliest street. Close your eyes and you can be anywhere you want to be. So grab your hat and come along. Come along. Let's see what goes Let's on. What goes on. In the middle of the Aussie outback. At the end of the dusty track. Dusty track. There's a place that no one knows about except for the folks who live around about. And the people who live around there don't seem to have a care. Just living from day to day. But they're happy that way. They call it Lizard Gully. I'd like to be Lizard Gully, just lying in the shade of a colored tree. Lizard Gully, oh that's the place. Lizard Gully, just sure to put a smile on your face. Lizard Gully, they call it Lizard. Living in lizard gully. I'm talking about. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon, starting at three two central on Toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework. Knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at three, two central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. 
Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Welcome to my show, Rick. Thank you, Vivian. I'm glad glad to be talking to you finally after so long. All right. Well, obviously, you're not English. Your accent is a little bit different to mine, although in America, people do confuse my accent with other parts of the world. So tell us where you're from. Well, I'm from Australia, and I, I, I think that's probably quite self-evident from my accent. But, um, yeah, I'm from just outside of Sydney, actually, about an hour and a half north of Sydney. Okay. And, and you live in the country, or do you live in a, a fairly large town? Tell us about where you live. Well, I live in a in a rural community, and most of the properties where I live are all twenty five acre farms. Mm-hmm. But when I say farms, they're not they're not actually farms. They're they're it's bush. It's it's classic Australian bush, which I don't know what that equates to in in Texas or. There's nothing like it either in England because you know England is just all mowed down and 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 landed um, farm country or it's towns and cities. But Australia is just you know full <laughs> obviously of bush. So yeah, I'm I'm in the bush. And so do you? So you say that not very many people farm in the community that you live in. Um, do they? tame some of the the bush that they've got a garden perhaps around their house everybody has yeah and and my wife is is a very keen gardener so we have a a lovely garden around the house but um apart from that because we have the problem in in most of this area is we have so much wildlife we have bandicoots and wombats and possums and the worst thing of course is wallabies not worse because they're, they're beautiful and we i hear them every night because i i usually get up around two o'clock and work till six o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. it's you know a lovely quiet time to work and i go outside and <laughs> there's always wallabies outside running around you know but the trouble is they eat the garden so you have to plant plants that that all these animals don't eat and there aren't that many that they don't eat particularly rock wallabies they they're famous for eating just about everything that you plant in a garden so uh, but we've got it down there yeah she's got a beautiful garden garden growing well good good all right rick well um that was a little bit of background for us so that we get kind of a picture of where you are in Australia. Um, yeah. What we're going to be talking about, though, is what you do and what you have been doing for many years. I might not say how mm. many. You can tell us how many years. So tell me, no. what, was your, yeah, what was your earliest musical memory? Um. Well, obviously, it goes back to my father, who was an extraordinary piano player. And in this, you know, the average household didn't have a hi-fi. My father and mother were invited to every single party in Sydney where they grew up because Dad was an extraordinary pianist and everybody invited him to the party. Mm. 
probably not because they loved him so much, but that he could play the piano. So, Rick, you were saying that your father played piano and obviously was very popular because people wanted him at all his parties. <laughs> did he make music his living or did he have another job? No, no. <laughs> In fact, he was, he was actually an obstetrician. Oh. And, um, but the one of the memories I have that forced me to be an insomniac what my dad was nearly every night of the week delivering babies and I lived right while I was sleeping below them so whenever the phone rang and he was thumping around the house getting ready to go out I could hear my mother going and then my dad going and then I heard the car start and a child can't sleep during that you see and then the fumes from the car blew in my window but that was um, my sort of upbringing and I still blame my dad for my insomnia but um, yeah he was he was a great big cuddly teddy bear my dad and and women found him comfortable you know to be with as a gynecologist and obstetrician obviously you know and um, but the thing was that whenever he came home and had time he would sit down at the piano while mum was cooking dinner and my mum would sing in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And that was just a joy, you know, to all of us. And um, she wasn't a great singer, but to hear him playing in the lounge room and mum singing in the kitchen, it was, um, yeah, an amazing way yeah. to grow up. Wonderful, wonderful. So you're living your dream right now? I'd say I am. I'm... I'm very happy with my life at the moment. I, as you well know, I, I write children's books or children's musicals, more to the point. I write the books and then while I'm writing them, I actually have all the musical ideas, a few months writing the story, and then, then it takes usually about a year to write the music for the whole thing. But that's my joy. It's not my job. My job is actually... Um, writing TV themes and film music, and and but I love writing stuff for children because there is nothing like the feeling of walking into a theatre and one of your musicals is being put on by children. And you know, I've I've written uh, obviously you know concertos and and those sort of things, but there's nothing like that feeling of children singing your songs. It's just Amazing. Mm. So obviously that, that great joy that you derived from hearing your father playing piano and your mother singing um, <laughs> motivated you to um, start writing for children because you didn't start off writing for children. Tell us a little bit about how you actually made this love, this passion of yours into a career. Well, it, it, it was an accident, really, and as a lot of things are, you know. I was listening to Philip Glass the other day and how he started, you know, writing, and everybody's got a story, but I was writing, to be honest, I was writing jingles for television commercials, and to be honest, I hated it, you know, I hated the job, but... It paid very well, and um, then one day I got asked to write a television theme, and that day changed my life 
because I started to work for a company called Grundy Television, which uh, you must know as a, as can I say, POM, as a British citizen, um, because they had all the game shows and all those terrible soapies. So I started working for Grundy's. And that's, that's what changed my life. And then I stopped writing television jingles. But when I, um, I moved over to England, I think as, as you may know, um, I started, that was, that was the period of time I actually started writing for children because, um, I'd gone to a children's musical and it was pretty awful, to be honest. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write a children's musical. And that, that started it, and that was in uh, 1990, gosh, 1994, mm. 95, and that's where it all began. Mm. So prior to that, you went to university in, yes. in Sydney. So tell me something about that. I mean, obviously, you music was a love, but your father thought that perhaps music was just a hobby, as it was with him, something that he loved, but, you know, his real mm. money was made elsewhere. So there was a little bit of that dynamic going on in your family, which I'm sure yeah. goes on in a lot of families who have got artistic children, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they um, as much as they supported my wanting to be a musician, you know, they, um, as parents of that vintage usually they thought music was always a hobby and at, I remember uh, I think uh, at my 40 at mine at mum and dad's 40th wedding anniversary this lovely woman who was one of my mum's best friends saying what do you do Rick now and I, I said well I'm a musician and she said no no what do you do for a living and I said yes I'm a musician mm. and she said oh and at that stage, I'd just finished my fifth year of law at university, and she said, aren't you going to be a lawyer? And I, I said, no, mm. I'm going to be a musician, you know, and she was horrified. Mm. Mm. And that was, that, was that, that, that genre, that age, you know, that, that period of time where being a musician was, was not the preferred job that your son or daughter you know, well, it's you know, with my parents, it was more they didn't want the struggle that they didn't want their child to have to struggle because it was something. Exactly. Yeah, it was something that people like us don't succeed in those kinds of things. You know, you're not, you know, going to be a whatever a Helen Mirren or a, a Margot yeah. Fontaine, and so Absolutely. it was kind of yeah that worry that worry of that doesn't happen yeah. to people like us. No, but. Uh, that was uh, uh, the the obviously uh, the backbone of, of the problem. But yeah. in the end, I I honestly actually I ran away from home, mm-hmm. and um, I caught a plane to London, and I'd done I finished my law degree, and I caught a plane to London, and. I hadn't told mum and dad I was going to get on the plane and wrote to them and then rang them up and said, I'm in London and I want to go to Cambridge, not to the university because the university is very classical and I'm not a, a, a classical person. I'm, I'm a jazz person. You know? So I went to Cambridge Polytech where they had the most wonderful jazz school and the head teacher was Ella Fitzgerald's piano player. I mean, 
it just doesn't get any better than that. So I, yeah, I I went to Cambridge Polytech and I did uh, a music diploma at the tech and I got to work with, with Roy, who, who was still the most outstanding piano player I've ever seen, yeah. So when you, you just, you made it sound so easy, you hopped on a plane to England were you allowed? Mm. Did you have some kind of a visa? Was there an arrangement back then that you could do that kind of thing because you were an Australian? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My grandmother was born in Wales, mm-hmm. and in those days you could get a visa. Um, and I've forgotten the actual name of what the visa was called, but um, it, it gave you the right, if you had a paternal or maternal grandparent, to actually live in England, not as an English citizen, of course, but to live in England and to work in England. And, of course, that was the beginning of... of, England was the beginning of my career. That's where I really started my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and I fell in love with England. And I met the most wonderful people who are still some of my closest friends Mm -hmm. today Mm -hmm. uh, in England, which is why I, I have this urge always to go back. And I think I mentioned to you in in an email that um, I was living with my best friend for a long time and his poor wife, um, who was the piano player in a band called Shack Attack. Do you remember them? Yes, I do. I do. Well, <laughs> he was the piano player and songwriter in Shack Attack and I was living with them for a long time till I thought it was about time I'm out. And um, then... I just went from place to place, but all of those friends that I met in that period of my life are still probably my closest friends. Um, English people still are my closest friends because of that early contact. Yeah. So you were you um, were at the Polytechnic in Cambridge. Cambridge is a lovely city, and Beautiful. yeah. Mm. You arrived there. Had you already decided that's what you were going to do? So you headed there. Did you have a place already? Had you already applied to? Study I'd there? written to. I'd written to um, people to. You know, I'd answered the ads in the Cambridge Evening News and said, you know, Australian desperately needs um, a a place to live. And this wonderful woman, I remember her even today, and that's what forty years ago or more. Um, she, Mrs. Sandfield, answered my ad and said, I have a cottage in, um, it started with K, I can't remember. It was just outside of Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, come for an interview. And I met her and and it was um, not love at first sight, but it, obviously, you know, she said, right, absolutely, move in. And I did and I was there for, I don't know, five years I think wow. until one one day when I had to move the piano removalists were moving my piano and left it standing on some gravel to go and get something else the piano fell over and destroyed the garage that was um, not a good day for either of us so um, you obviously you thought that having a diploma and learning more um, I suppose Ah, learning music in a more organized way, I don't know how else to put that, was important. It was important to you to get this diploma, although you were already playing in a band and you had already um, released an album. Is that right or not? That's 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And but I I wasn't a good reader, you know, and I wanted to number one learn from Roy Pitchford, this Ella Ella Fitzgerald's old piano player, and because I had heard about him, you know, I mean he's well famous, and there he was, and and I thought, and I asked him one day, what are you doing at Cambridge Polytech? And he said, well, I decided to give up traveling around the world because I wanted babies. Mm-hmm. And and he, he had met this um, this other teacher at Cambridge Polytech. He wasn't there then. But he fell in love and um, decided to move to Cambridge, asked her to marry him, which she did, and they had three beautiful children. And, um, yeah, the rest was absolute history. I just had to learn to read music which I hadn't before because dad never taught me he, mm. he played by ear mm. and so did I mm. and but I, I wanted to be able to pick up a piece of Mozart and be able to play it from mm. the music you know which at the end of my diploma I, I could but um, and learn from Roy you know you, you learned more in one lesson from Roy Pitchford than you could in six months from any other piano teacher. He was just so giving and so wonderful a teacher, you know, and I can't thank him enough. He's still alive. He's not playing anymore, but he is still alive. Right. Well, Rick, I have to go on a really short break now, but we'll be back to continue our conversation in just a moment. Okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Rick, I want to talk a little bit about um, how busy you were. You were were in a band as well as doing your law degree, studying for your law degree in Sydney. And I I didn't even ask you. I mean, did you pass your exams in the end? For my law degree? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, no, I got, I got my, got, I got my law degree, but yeah. you know, I, I, I never walked into a, a lawyer's office in my life except to write my will. You know, that's yeah. about the only time I've ever been in a lawyer's office. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, no, that I, takes, I, that, that's a lot of work. And you had, you were in a band, obviously you were still playing and you had made some kind of an album and were promoting that. And, you yeah. know, so you were busy and you were pretty dedicated because I was going to say, you know, if, if, if one of my listeners' children decided, oh, this is what they want to do, it's not easy. You have to work hard at it, correct? You're not going to be discovered necessarily as the next, you know, sort of great rock star or jazz pianist. You have to work at it, right? Oh, yeah. You've got to work very hard at it, mm. very hard. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there is... As you can imagine, there is a plethora of, of incredibly talented people all over the world. I mean, at the moment, as, as pianists go, the Chinese are, are you know, Lang Lang and, and people like that are, are the greatest pianists in the world. And there are, you know, obviously other people um, who are pursuing a musical career. But it's, it is a very difficult profession if you want to... First of all, go into classical music. Um, you've got to work, if you want to be a classical star, in inverted commas, you have to work extraordinarily hard. I mean, ridiculously hard, like, you know, practicing. I know I've got a very close friend who practices 16 hours a day. He never stops practicing, and he still hasn't made it yet, you know. And he's an incredible piano player. But... In in the rock industry and and the industry or the pop industry, um, it's all luck, Vivian. It's it's pure luck that somebody is at a gig that you're playing at and sees you and says, "Gosh, I think you're fantastic." You know, can we do something now? These days, it's um, it's all about YouTube and iTunes because. Everything is an independent label. I mean, okay, you've still got, you know, um, Sony, CBS, BMG, the big companies, but they they work differently as well now. They know the importance of iTunes and the internet, so they go looking for talent on on YouTube and iTunes, and um, then maybe if they find somebody fantastic, they'll sign them up and give them a lot of money. Yeah like Lady Gaga and, and Pink and, um, you know, people like that. But it's it's so hard now because the live music scene, I don't know how it is at the moment in England, but it's shocking here. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me. And it's very hard to make a living as a live musician at the moment. And you have to be able to set up a studio, which you can do, of course, these days, with a Mac or a PC and a couple of microphones and away you go. I was lucky and that's what I, even back then, you know, it was all about luck. It was just somebody saw me performing. I was doing a concert and said, you know, um, I'd like to sign you up to my record label. Well, fortunately, it was EMI, which was one of the biggest labels around at the time, and um, British label, of course, but they had, you know, their... Um, their label out here and so yeah i worked with them for um oh seven years but then it's a frustration sometimes when you are with a record company i have to say and um so i built my own recording studio kind of making a long story very short i built my own and then i formed my own record label and um, from then on 
I worked alone. I, I just thought it was better than to answer to these people who, to be honest, I didn't, Many of them I did, but a lot of them I didn't respect as 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 musicians or as promoters of music. So, um, and my label did fine. You know, I didn't make a lot of money out of it, but it um, it it did very well, and the studio did very well, and I'm still here. I, I read somewhere that you made a CD ROM. Was this a departure from, from music or, or was it connected some way? Tell us about that. Well, well, CD-ROMs are, um, well, obviously they're not audio CDs. They, they have a, you know, a different component package. But the CD-ROMs are, um, they were really designed and we started manufacturing those when we were, turned the business into making children's um, videos and children's music. And that's what started the, the CD-ROM thing. And then I had this idea that children s- still didn't have a grasp on on some of the incredible things that are in the world. Of course, now you can go on to, you know, this was 12 years ago, more, and... They didn't have a grasp of what you could actually see. Now they've got YouTube. They've got this is the information age now. You can go anywhere, anytime, and see anything that you want on YouTube or Vimeo. But in those days, you couldn't. And I always thought that children suffered a bit from not ever knowing about the wonders of the world. And so, yeah, I did. I took off nine months and. I went around the world with, at that time, my um, a very close friend, and we did a video of all the great wonders of the world, and it was a joy to make. I mean, because I saw places that I would otherwise never have gone to, in you know, places like Cambodia, and um, and that did very well actually, uh, until of course you know the. Uh, mammoth amount of product that came onto the internet uh, when the internet really bludgeoned, and um, now you couldn't you couldn't do what I did. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't pay you to do it. No. There's just so much information yeah. now yeah. on YouTube and and Vimeo and, and and anywhere else you know that you go looking. I know, and it's, it's it's great for us for for homeschoolers. It's it's um, you know oh, brought but, but, the world yeah. <laughs> into our kitchen, so to speak. Well, well, absolutely. For what you do, it is just amazing. Oh. I mean, you know, because I've read up your story as well, obviously, and um, it it's just opened up a vista of this great big screen in front of you all the time. And you can just go anywhere at any time of the day and look at all these incredible things, you know. 12, 15 years ago, you couldn't do that. And, um, yeah, for you, it must be just a godsend doing doing what you're doing with homeschooling. Yeah. Now, Rick, um, a highlight of your career. What was – it's going to be difficult. The, the, the best thing – 
that you did or that happened to you as far as your career? Gosh. A couple, yeah, you, maybe. You, you've, re- you've really stumped me with that one. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's it's been um, sort of a, a long career. But uh, I suppose the greatest thing that, that emotionally for me was was joining up writing for children with the music, you know, and that happened in around, as I said, about 1994. Mm-hmm. And um, then I just, I found a niche that wasn't, you know, particularly full at the time. I mean, there's there's plenty of children's musicals around everywhere now, but um, on the internet. But that was, yeah, that period of my life, certainly when I'd, um, you know, I'd, I'd finished my music diploma and um, moved on and then found this this whole other world of children's music, which, which you know, it makes you happy. Yeah. It really does make you, you write these, these stories and you, you compose the music and at the end of the day you play them back and... It makes you happy, and it makes children happy. They now, of course, we've got audio books, and they sit in the back of the car. They can watch a DVD of you know the, all the pictures going past, and um, it's an amazing that part of it. The technology part of it now is actually well. I love it. I, I love you know the whole thing of, of turning what I did maybe ten, fifteen years ago now into the technology of today and still um, these products are being bought, thank God. I know. Um, well, and you, you talked about watching children perform your work on stage. So you encouraged them to take a, one of your musicals and um, put it on for themselves. How does yeah. that feel? When do, Are you invited? Do you go and watch? What happens? Um, when you do go, as I said to you earlier, it's... It is the most extraordinary feeling, much more so than with adults, mm-hmm. 20 times better when with children. And you're watching them and they're mouthing the words that you've written and singing the songs that you... And sometimes, you know, there are children playing um, the instruments if they've got an orchestra. Um, other times it's they just use backing tracks, but... Um, it's the most amazing feeling, yeah. It it brings tears to your eyes, really. It does much more so than getting out and and you know I'm not you know patting myself on the back, but I've performed in concerts, you know, with adults where there's been seven, eight thousand people in the audience, but there's nothing like the feeling of being in the audience and watching children perform your music. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I know you're your musical Lizard Gully was something that our children just loved and played over and over again. And now <laughs> now when we play any of those songs, you know, if we want to go back a bit, and I discovered your site and I was clicking on these songs. I'm going, oh, gosh, all these memories just rush yeah. back. There's just something yeah. about music, yeah. isn't there, that, that yeah. helps there you, you know, it brings back all these wonderful memories. Yeah, well, well you, you obviously know as a home school how important music can it be. Is, it not, is. 
not just to a child's mental health but to his physical health. You know, they're using it in hospitals now. I've got most of my my um, musicals are they're in you know Royal Prince Alfred, which is our host, uh, children's hospital here, and and they use them there. They use them in you know various Aboriginal institutions. In fact, I just sent three today to the School of the Air. Now, which you probably don't know what that is, but in Australia, because the community is so separated by the, the hundreds and thousands of miles they, that the children are schooled by, similar to what I guess you do, but um, they're schooled by School of the Air, and, the, and all the kids just tune into the internet on a station that is set up, and um, they learn. That's how they don't go to school. They learn from the School of the Air. Yeah, have you heard about that? Yes, I actually have. But very many years ago, when it was a really a radio station, you had to tune into your radio. It wasn't on no, the internet. Yeah. No, no. Oh, it's still going. I, I yeah. spoke to one of the the people yesterday because I sent them, you know, some musicals, and um, oh, it's still well. Obviously, with the internet, mm. the ki- the kids can all just tune into. They they have their own, um, you know, site. They call it the Australian School of the Air, and they all tune in. And there's, there's no, not only that, they have different stations now. You know, they have music stations and history stations and English stations. It's just incredible mm. what technology has done. And where it's going to go from here, I won't be alive probably that much yeah. longer to see it, but yeah, it's just, it is incredible. Yeah. Well, Rick, we've come to the end of our time. It has been absolutely wonderful talking to you and talking to you about your career and the importance of music. And um, while we're actually talking, talking, I want to thank you once again for letting me use one of your songs for my son's wedding when I when I danced <laughs> with him. It was just fantastic, mm. and you saw the video, so yes, it was. It was I did. Unusual. I did, it. I, and I have to say that my <laughs> wife is in Perth at the moment. She's she's a, left me alone for three weeks to visit her relatives because she's from Perth. But she said when I did this interview to tell you that she thought it was absolutely beautiful, that yeah. video of you, you dancing with your son. <laughs> well, you know, everybody, just... everybody chooses these songs like, oh, you know, just these, these pop songs. And I thought, you know, the song that, mean, that meant the most to, to me was something yeah. that the children listened to over and over again, which, uh, you know, Lizard Gully or a song from Rafi or, you know, any of those wonderful songs that they used to listen to all the time. Yeah. Not a pop yeah. song because we didn't listen really to pop music. And yeah. uh, so I thought I'm just going to go out, out on a limb here and I'm going to do something completely different. So, <laughs> well, Rick, um, I've been talking to Rick Turk in Australia. He's singer-songwriter, composer of um, children's musicals, um, jingles, TV themes. Go onto his website, rickturk.com, find out all about him. And he also has a creativechildrensproducts.com. Those will both be linked on my show page, um, uh, Toginet Radio. Rick, thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you have a superb weekend. And um, good luck with uh, your next venture. Bye. Oh, thank. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. 
why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. You can find Rick's links on my show page, and you can buy his musicals, including our favorite, Lizard Gully, right there too. So go to thesociablehomeschooler.com. And to open up the final segment of my show, here's another song, the one I danced to with my son at his wedding. Isabel, one of the lizards, is minding her father's grocery shop when her father comes to relieve her so she can go and meet Rodney, her boyfriend. Daddy! Isabel's father, Lawrence Lizard, whose eyesight was not the best, peered into the darkening room and sucked on his unlit pipe. The store looks fine. Thank you, dear. I passed your friend Rodney on my way up here. He said he'd meet you down by the pond. In a flash, Isabel was gone. Rodney and Isabel loved sitting by the pond at sunset. They could gaze into the rippling water and watch reflections of the colour trees bob up and down. Mount Poddle, with its dark purple glow, stood in the distance, and the whispering trickle of Rickety Creek was the only sound to be heard. You, you're the one I love And you, you were sent down from above you, you're the one I adore
to do to make me smile If things are looking cold and gray You can chase the clouds away And everything is fine in a while And you, you have let my heart go free And you can make the sun lovely wasn't it perfect song to dance with my son to and it brought back so many memories well back to the airport and we're picking up my zookeeper son and his wife and their bags arrived and we took them home and then we went out shopping for dinner since they had nothing in their fridge we cooked dinner too while they unpacked and said hello to their birds who were a little shy after being apart for three weeks. Walter and Lemon, the blue-winged macaws, and Gil, a rose-throated cockatiel whose trick is a smoker's cough. He's so funny. After dinner, we all crashed and I noticed that although there was bird dander everywhere showing up as a light sprinkling of dust resembling talcum powder, not from the macaws but the cockatiel, I wasn't allergic to them. There was no sneezing or asthma for me. I was relieved since it's going to be their business and their spare room is a handy place when we trundle into town. The following morning, we watched as they flew the birds. They have completely netted in their back garden. Not really noticeable unless you get close up, so their birds can't accidentally fly away. They're still novices on the wing. The two macaws are huge, only eight months old and fully grown with beautiful markings. After flying for about half an hour, Elsa Mac put them in their large outdoor cage and began to bathe them, which was really her misting them with the hose. They were amazing, both of them hanging onto the bars, facing the water and opening their wings and squawking in delight. I'd never seen anything like it. The sun was due to come out later in the day, but for now it was quite cold and they were loving it. Lindsay and I were shivering. We'd promised Dawes that we'd go see her flat, filmmaker sons too. We'd seen it with both my sons living there and you've heard about the wild man experiment last year when they lived in our house. Now there was a feminine touch which she was keen to show off. On our way and just down the road from her flat, we stopped off to pick up my son's car that he'd parked at the bird sitter's place while he was staying at their house for the three weeks they were away looking after the birds. The car wouldn't start and our jumper cables wouldn't cut it. It turned out they were duds, which was quite a blow to the king of jumper cables, my cowboy. After about 30 minutes, we did find someone who had cables and it started immediately and we were able to continue on our way to an impatiently waiting dort. There we had coffee and admired what she'd done to make herself feel at home. I had three children under one roof for the first time in six months. Our filmmaker had to go to work and no sooner had he left than my younger son said, What about lunch? Uh, my first thought was we were going to raid the freezer, but he meant, What about lunch out? Do you wonder why these young people don't ever have any money? We went to a nice little Cajun place and said goodbye to more cash. And on the way back to East Texas and Hideaway Lake, I laughingly said, it would have been cheaper to pay for a taxi for them from the airport. <laughs> and to close, here's one more song, which was my oldest son's favourite right from the start. He's such a romantic. Friends can help you when you're down 
True friends will always be around. There's nothing in the world that can take the place of friends. And when you want to be alone, just to have some time on your own, it's nice to know if you have to go away, true friends will always stay. True friends. it for this week and I hope that you are inspired to rush out and buy that musical because not only are there great catchy songs in it but the story is really good too and I just love the Australian accent. Well that's it for another week. I hope you enjoyed the songs I played from Lizard Gully. Don't forget to go to my site and click on the link so you can buy your own copy to become a favorite household musical. We're cooking food for the weekend, using up Thanksgiving leftovers, and hopefully I'll get to spend every day this week in East Texas without any trips to Dallas. We're trying a new church on Sunday. I'll let you know how that goes. I'll be walking, and maybe I'll even find a few hours to write my blog that has been sadly neglected since I got back. Join me next week when I'll be here, same time, same place. That's Friday at noon Texas time, or 6 p.m. in London. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Tokinet Radio, my guest this week, Rick Turk, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Jacob, Esme, Millicent, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned to Tokinet all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.